Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford and I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If this is your first time joining us, I gotta tell you the Inside Scoop has turned out to be a wonderful podcast. And what we do is we learn about the soccer pathways from around the world by speaking to coaches, parents, and players in those respective cities. Today we're traveling back to Germany to dig a little bit deeper into another German city. Because this is the thing, if you know about youth soccer, you know that a couple of things, different people will have different experiences and even the different towns may be different. So we're not just going to the countries, we're going to those cities. So we got a wonderful show lined up for you uh, today. But before we get started though, let me tell you a little bit about Anytime Soccer Training. First, our website is www.anytime dash soccer.com and anytime soccer training is a website that will host over 1100 follow along training videos covering all the major areas of individual skill development as a matter of fact i just trained my boys this morning using the product and literally what i do is they do five or six videos we just hit to the, hit, go to the field, they do some uh, ball mastery, and then I hit play on another one, and they do some line cones, and then I hit play on another one, and they do aerial and juggling, and then I hit play on another one, and they do figure eight, and they know what they need to do, and dad can just watch them make some simple suggestions, but for the most part, they're owning their own training. And so our, if you haven't checked out any time uh, soccer training, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, I encourage you to do so. And if you go to www.anytime-soccer.com and join the mailing list, we're gonna send you some great information as well as over 50 free ball mastery and juggling videos. And with that being said, now let's get started with the show. I have a very special guest here who, like our previous guest in Germany, understands both sides of the pond. He actually has um, traveled throughout Europe, so we're going to get perspectives not only from Germany, but also um, his time in England. He's a military uh, person, and thank you for your service. And here we go with you build up. Welcome to the show, Mr. Sandy Sandoval. I enjoyed our initial conversation, and it was so exciting. I had to stop his midstream and hit record. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. Introduce yourself. Introduce your family. Tell us about your uh, your sons, and tell us about the uh, YouTube channel and all the stuff you guys are doing on social media. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. Awesome. I thank you so much. So, um, like Neil said, my name is Sandy Sandoval. So we're currently living in Ramstein. Ramstein, Germany. I got two boys. I got 11 and six. Right now, the six-year-old is not playing too much football at the moment. But the 11-year-old is really doing doing things over here, and um, he plays for FK Permisens. Uh, if you guys want to check out his channel, it's YouTube.com/backslash/JoshuaMaldonado.us. And uh, I also wanted to throw in a plug for another good friend of mine, which is um, his YouTube channel is called BB Kickers. But he is also an American pretty much overseas who's who signed at one of the, the top tier clubs in the area and yeah he's also he's doing big things so we're, we're ha I'm happy to be on the show and uh yeah let's get to it thank you thank you so a couple of things for the listeners we're going to drop those links in the show notes 
and we're going to also drop those links in our YouTube, not our YouTube, but our Facebook groups. I'm, I, I, we create the, I've created the Anytime Soccer Training YouTube and Facebook group. And now I'm also the admin of uh, the Youth Soccer Coaches that just has like 16,000 folks. So we're going to drop that information there as well for the listeners so we can follow these guys. And I tell you, with what Christian Pulisic has been able to do uh, recently in the premiership, I think he can single-handedly open up some doors for our other Americans that are coming through the pipeline. So was, I'm very interested in hearing more about the, your 15-year-old uh, uh, friend's son and, and what that experience is like. And I'm also very interested in hearing about the coaching and the development that your child is re receiving now and, and put you on the spot to try to compare that to what you've heard about what they would be receiving in the States, even though I know it's, a, it's more of a general conversation. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, so on to the show. Now, our loyal listeners are now, by now, should be familiar with how I tee the show up. What we do is I pretend that your child is moving to Cary, North Carolina, where I'm based, and I give you a quick rundown of what to expect. And then I ask you to do the exact same thing for your city in Germany. Now, because the show has been going on for uh, weeks and weeks and weeks, I'm only going to do the very quick and dirty of uh, the American version because our loyal listeners hear this every week. But I like to gotcha. do that for each um, guest so that you guys can get an understanding of the level of detail that we want to go into. This, this podcast is for detail-oriented oriented folks who we don't want to hear all this lofty youth development. Blah, blah, no, no, no. <laughs> How much did you pay? When did you show up? What does your uniform look like? How good are the kids? How good are the coaches? What are the parents? We want to we want to leave this podcast being you for a day as a soccer dad in Germany. Okay. So with that being said, if you moved to Cary, North Carolina, and wanted to get your son involved in soccer, the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is get your checkbook ready. They know you might you you they may give you a military discount, ten percent. But you're gonna be paying, uh, so you're gonna be paying ninety percent of a couple thousand dollars if they're in competitive soccer. Bottom line. So what does that mean? That means, and I, and I like to joke with that because you're an American, so you know how it works. But many of my um, foreign guests, they have no, they this just blows their mind how much we have to pay for just the basic soccer training. But we are operating under a pay-to-play system, and unlike many people and pundits, I actually take a relatively nuanced view on that. I think there's some positives and there's some negatives to the pay-to-play system. The negatives are obviously, you know, certain kids and are just not going to get access to the system because their parents just can't afford it or are not going to invest that type of money. It also creates a culture where it's kind of catered to the middle class so it's not uncommon to have a practice at like four o'clock and all the parents will text each other like, do these people have jobs? Who can get off at four o'clock and go to the, be at the training pitch? So it creates that kind of culture as well. But one of the benefits, and I actually don't think people talk about it a lot is even if your child is not hardcore into soccer, but you want them to get some good soccer instruction from a good qualified coach and you want them to be in an, a competitive environment, you literally pay and they get access to, to those teams, right? So that's a, that's a 
benefit, I guess, if you will, that I don't think people actually talk about enough. Because in Europe, if you're not uh, striving to be at the top of your game or maybe go professional, there are a lot of advanced uh, sort of soccer environments that you're just not going to see. That is my hypothesis. Okay. So putting that aside, that's just my personal opinion. You move here, you're in a pay-to-play system. And here are the options that you have for your child. You can sign them up for rec. These rec leagues are run by municipalities. There's some franchises. Um, some uh, religious organizations create recreational programs. But the bottom line is, is the same co common denominator. They're relatively cheap. You play eight to 10 games. Mommy and daddy are the coach. And it's just for fun. You might have one practice. But and then you, you can play rec recreational um, soccer from the time you can barely walk up to U17, U18. What I'm learning though is one of the biggest difference about US rec versus the work, versus the recreational programs I'm beginning to see around the world is it's a very clear distinction in talent level. In general, you won't have some superstar kids at 10 or 11 playing recreational because they will be so much better than the other kids. And I hate char characterizing kids in that regard. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging it in that regard. I'm, I'm kind of it's like, the, you can pitch the way it. it is. Yeah, it's just the way it is. They will be so much more talented that they will actually cause a distraction to the game where they would score like 20 goals or something. And you would have to kind of try to navigate the game around them. So where that I'm learning is different from other countries where even if they are just playing for fun, there's a basic, level of skill where it kind of works itself out but that's recreational then you have what we call challenge which is which is in between again you still have parent coaches but you also may have a licensed coach that supports it there's they have two seasons but they're not nearly as long as we're moving on quickly to travel soccer travel soccer is an umbrella term that we use in the states that can mean a lot of different stuff but it basically means you're in a year-round, normally 10-month program that is considered competitive. At the earlier ages, from U7 up to about U12, U you are placed on different teams and there are tryouts, but you're typically in the States not considered to be part of any academy. You're gotcha. just part of a pool of kids that that club is evaluating to see who will eventually make what they consider to be their academy. And I use terms like what they consider to be a lot because not every club has an official, I think there's like 90 something official academies, but they do have a top team, which is functions almost like an academy. Even though you're in the, the, that pool in the younger ages, you're still divided um, um, by skill level. So you're in a 10 month program, you're getting a licensed coach, you're practicing two to three days a week, you having, you're playing games on the weekends, but your team now is, set, is divided into, sorry, the pool is divided into teams based on skill level. And you take my older son, he's born 2010. When he was in this, these larger programs, he played on what they would consider their goal team. They have all these teams and that team actually played in a league that was a year older against other more competitive teams, even though that team was part of the same program. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Now, so that's kind of that, that. That's what I would tell you. Now, no matter how good your child is, I don't care if your child is completely lights out. Messi reincarnated can move to Cary, North Carolina at 10 years old. He, you are going to pay to get access to that program. They don't look at your kid and say, he is so good or she is so good. We've got to have them in the program and we're going to do whatever it takes. The only exception to that is need-based scholarships. Now, I'm sure there's some club director or coach out there telling me, no, our club is the exception. We're talking in general. Okay, so we established mm -hmm. that. And there's a couple other things that I would explain to you as a, uh, if you moved here. We have these larger clubs. Some of these larger clubs are MLS clubs that offer youth programming. And some of them are just nonprofit football clubs that have been around forever, but they're not, they don't have, they may have like a USL. They may even have a, um, yeah, USL too. They may have our USL championship or whatever club. That's how it is here. Ours is NCSC. So they have a professional club but they're not in MLS, so you have that. And then we have another big club called Triangle United. We have quite a few clubs. Triangle United is one of them where they actually don't have a professional team, per se. So you, you, can, you, you, you would kind of need to understand that a little bit, um, and that's fine. And in the UK, they have something similar where they're grass, they'll have many grassroots club, clubs that, you know, at the very top is going to be probably non-league football. And then they're going to have grassroots clubs that at the top will be in some kind of division. So that's not completely unusual. But we also have clubs that are not in the U.S. soccer, U.S. club, you know, AYSO, whatever you want to call these big sanctioning bodies. They're, they don't, they're not members of these organizations. So if you and I, Sandy, said we wanted to start a soccer club in North Carolina, we could do that. We could go create a nonprofit that offers soccer opportunities for kids. No problems. We would be a nonprofit that offers soccer, but we would not necessarily be recognized and be part of U.S. soccer. We could be the, great, we could be the greatest coaches in the world, right? And we could, have, we could outfit great teams that play in tournaments and play against other teams in the area but we're gonna still be considered in the eyes of US soccer as a recreational program, even though our team will be very good. Why do I make this tiny distinction? Because in Cary, I can say, and, and, and I'm pretty confident about other areas, you have people who create clubs, and especially when those clubs just start out, who haven't gone through the process of being recognized by US soccer or US club, blah 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 who offer great soccer teams and my son's club used to be like that now they're part of u.s club soccer which is the umbrella agency that or umbrella organization that effectively you become a member of and when you become a member of them then they help you organize these leagues and so now and then there's a national and regional sort of tournaments but that club used to not be part of that. They were just a soccer club and you just paid your money and that's what they did. And I chose my, for my son to be in that club because they were really small and they, they were really focused on their, their development. And I felt like in the foundation phase, phase, that's what he needed. No knock to the other clubs, that was a family decision. 
Gotcha. Our Latino clubs, many of them are like that. They are nonprofits. They want to keep it in the community. They're not going to go through all the red tape to join U.S. soccer. But they're in their wreck and name, but, uh, you know, they're anything but wreck. As a matter of fact, yeah. I think the first time I saw my son, some one of my son's team get a red card was in one of those games. He used to guest play. And he was like nine. I was like, is that even possible? So, <laughs> yeah, you got that. So I'm kind of rambling on a little bit, but that's basically the soccer opportunities from organized perspective. Now, there's a final thing. We have futsal. We have now they've created these sanctioned futsal leagues. They have, well, futsal academies. I think there's like 30-something throughout. We don't have one in North Carolina yet. And these guys, everybody can compete in a national futsal tournaments, but I think they, they form, formalize the academy system within futsal a little bit more. We have indoor leagues. There, you don't need to be sanctioned. You and I can create an indoor team, and we just play indoors. It's considered just intramural. And then we have clinics. And so it's not uncommon for parents of competitive soccer players to pay for their kids to go to these clinics once a week and work solely on technical skills. So why am I giving everybody this long list of options? Because, because we have a pay-to-play system in the state, the market forces and the product development forces have created a robust amount of soccer opportunities if you're willing, and that's a big if, you're willing to pay. But one yep. thing I left out, and I want you to touch on as well as we start talking about Germany is, I don't feel like in the States, our kids, in the suburbia especially, get enough free play. So sometimes I sign my son up for these guests playing in this league and guests play here and do this not because I'm just crazy and I just want them to play soccer all the time, but they just don't get enough free play. So I just sign them up and that's his equivalent of free play. He's not training with them. He just goes and plays a few games with this team or plays a few games with that team. All right. So that's the soapbox on the U S now I move and let me get the pronunciation right. One more time. Ranstead. Say, sorry, I broke up. Randstein. 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 See, I'm an old country boy from South Carolina, so that's, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to butcher it. I'm not even going to try it anymore, you you know. But I want to make sure I guess can Google it and see exactly where you are. Now, I, got you. I move to Germany. I move okay. to your city. I'm like, Sandy, help me out. What are you going to tell me? And you can tell me in two different ways. You can tell me, like, how it all works big picture, like I told you. Or you can start with your own personal experience, and then we can dig into um, the big picture. Got you. So there's two, there's two experiences I can tell you. I can tell you the experience I got. I can tell you all the experience I know now with knowledge. It depends on how you want to know. Let's let's go with what you know. Uh, I feel like Jeopardy. Let's go behind. Let's go for <laughs> what you know. Let's go with what you know uh, with college, with experience uh, for eight hundred dollars, please. Got you. So here's, here's, here's the first thing. You're moving to Germany. The first thing I'm going to tell you as a parent is you got to download on your phone an app called foosball.day. And I think that's F, let me just make sure it's F-U-S-S-B-A-L.de. And I believe you can actually download it on your phone right now, even in the States. So okay. what it is, it's that app alone 
and it also probably just type it in on uh, Google or whatnot. But that app alone, pretty much, uh, you can look from the lowest tiered team all the way to the top number one Bayern Munich team. Every single team in Germany will be mentioned in that app. Like you can find that app. It'll tell you exactly what um, placement those teams are, what they're in. And it's just, it's by far the most organized thing I've ever seen. And even comparing it to England, that app pretty much breaks everything down to who's your referee is going to be for that day. It tells you the directions to where to go. It's, it gives you, uh, depending on what tier you want, it tells you how many goals each club is doing. It gives you, uh, sometimes it gives you live updates of teams that are playing that same day. It's ridiculous. But wow. that's pretty much wow. where I would say to, to start is to download hey, let me, that let app. Me interrupt, let me interrupt um, and tell the guests. Oh, let me now? interrupt and tell the guests. We're going to put that in the show notes as well so that you guys get access to that app. You got the app and everything is and it's downloaded. Pretty much the, the best thing you're going to do is you're going to, obviously, gonna, you just moved to Germany. So you're going to try to find a house, right? You're going to try to find a house. So naturally, you're going to start looking at the location on where you want to live. So let's just say you found a location. Well, like, hey, well, let me see if there is a club in this area. So in that app, you can literally type in the name of the town and it should pop up as many clubs that are or close to town. And at that point, you start going into each club and you could find out exactly what teams that they offer, whether that be a men's team all the way down to the very youth. Um, but that'll give you your gauge exactly if that club's available and if that works best for me and my family. So sometimes since it is a pretty competitive area over in Germany, naturally, you could find just a club five minutes away from where you live because there's football fields everywhere. So that's, so that's great. So that's amazing. So um, that's the first so thing if I, would I had do. to put that. So if I had to summarize that piece of it, when you move to a city, there are going to be a lot of clubs in general, like a major city. There are going to be a lot of clubs in that area, just like here in Cary, there's NCFC, Triangle United, you know, Velocity, Velocity, Adia. There are loads of clubs. So is that is similar in, in your city in Germany? Yes, but a lot of them are tied to the actual town itself. So, you know, like uh, kind of what you're in your situation, there's Triangle, there's NCFC, and kind of those are tied maybe to the area, but more those are more like a team name, a brand. Yes. As opposed to here, it's more of the town. You're a representation of the town. And that's pretty much the, the big difference. Now, even in England, that's kind of the same thing. Every town pretty much has a club. The only difference between England and Germany that I've noticed as a parent is that in England, it was very hard to try to figure all of the logistics on how it worked. I Because I, even before I moved there, I sent emails and all this, and I didn't really get that much of a response. And none of the clubs had websites where they just had it up and running where it was great. And, you know, I, I knew where to put my kid right away. It was very difficult for England. Here, it was the same, but at least you had the app. If I had to, if I had to tell you, hey, get this app, you, you, everything you need to know is in this app. You, you, you will be fine. So let me th say two things. I lived in London a long time and one of my biggest pet peeves was customer service in England. It was horrible. Ugh. So I get it. And then secondly was, um, I really could probably start a consulting firm in England dealing with customer interfacing and probably make a fortune. But then the second thing, that's an aside. When you say town, so that we crystal clear, in my area, we have Cary, we have Durham, I'm part of the triangle, Cary, Durham, Raleigh, 
um, Chapel Hill, it is not a problem for my child to play for a club in any of those little towns. Is it like that? Is that basically what you're saying? So these towns are close enough where you can commute. In other words, no, my child probably won't drive to Greensboro, which is an hour away, but mm -hmm. Raleigh, Cary, Durham, Chapel Hill, these little areas, they're, they're really close to each other. Is that how it is so that I'm crystal clear? It is. Um, okay. It is, and, and based off the, the tier that they're in, could also determine like how much you have to drive on the weekend too. So I, I could go ahead and if you want, I can go ahead and explain that real quick. Well, right, well, right before you explain the tier, so I got that, hold on, and I'm just gonna repeat this for the benefit of the uh, listeners. You come there, you look at the app, they're gonna be all of these little towns and it's more of a township type thing that have clubs and those clubs will offer programs at different tiers and obviously different age all the way up to adults. And so you have a, a single platform that allows you to do that. Correct. Okay. But before you get into the tiers, for one second, though, and you can talk about your own experience, we're going to talk about the tiers, so you can kind of tell me what's the best way to describe this. But once you decide which club you're going to, you're, you want to sign your child up for, in general, is there a tryout, or is that tryout based on the tier? Or how, how does all that work? So I want to say, let's just put it in a nutshell. Majority of the teams here pretty much have a team. So... I would say some type of tryout might be necessary, uh, no matter where you go. And maybe they just want to see if you mesh well with the kids. Maybe they want to see if it's talent based. Maybe they just want to see how, if you know, what's the what, what's the level of maturity of the player. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to think of it two ways. If you either have the option to play on the American based team, which is the which is the there's so that one's kind of a weird one. It's not necessarily part of a town. It's a it's a it's an organization that caters to majority of the American kids, um, and you can either play there and you have that comfort level of being surrounded by a lot of American kids. But the crazy thing about that particular club, I'm not going to try to call the club out or anything, but they do, from my understanding, offer or uh, they price it the exact same as they do in the states. So what's crazy is you have the ability to in the same organization pay 15, uh, I'm just gonna throw a number out here, 1500 per, uh, per season, or you can pay on the localized team that is literally, they practice the same field for five year old month. You choose. <laughs> so, that, so that's the, but that's the thing. So it comes down to comfort level. So uh, like uh, this area, Kaiserslautern, uh, Ramstein area is considered like the second most US uh, population outside of the u.s it's like the, it's it's the biggest amount of americans here so more than likely a, a lot of people in this area you're going to find people that speak english or coaches that potentially may speak english but with these german clubs and tiers some of it is kind of done by the parents of of the german uh, you know population so a lot of those training sessions will be in german and you're going to have to kind of have to decipher unless they have a coach that actually can speak a little bit of english uh, to the kids so that's one thing that you got to look out for. Okay, so break. So we're gonna get. So so that we on the same page, we're gonna get to sort of the academy and that kind of stuff and what you get mm -hmm. there. But break down the tiers as you understand. And let me let me say this. Okay, in the states, 
we, from my knowledge, and this is just a parent speaking, so I could be completely wrong, and I encourage the guests to uh, chime in when they hear this. We don't have tears at the younger ages like that. What we do is the coaches effectively place their kids in a position where they're matched, you know, and challenged. But there's not a divisional system that everybody, universal divisional system like there is in England, where everybody kind of understands where your team is at. And the best example I can give in the States is you maybe you're going to sign up for a tournament and you're going to look at the available options, elite, gold, silver, platinum, whatever. You kind of estimate where you think your team should play in. Mm -hmm. When they get older, there are um, some divisions and leagues that are understood to be at higher levels. But even that, I don't think they work in concert together. I think it's just how it ends up working itself out. And so what I mean is the academy teams will play the academy teams and they'll play. Now they create, they're creating this MLS uh, league. So that's mm -hmm. obviously going to be a top league. And then ECNL teams, which is part of U.S. club soccer, they play each other. And it's kind of understood that that's the second team of most of these clubs but they could be the first team of other clubs. So that's why I'm saying it's not, it's not clearly defined. And gotcha. then under there, it's, I think they got NPL or some other league. And then it's kind of understood that it's some clubs that might be their second team, but other clubs that might be their third team, but they kind of work it out. Mm -hmm. Where I feel like overseas, it's a little bit more, some of the places is a little bit more uh, understood in terms of the divisions. So given that perspective, talk to me about divisions within youth soccer as you understand them. So from my understanding, let's just put it this way. <clears throat> there is, uh, I would say, at least at the level my son's at now, it's 2007, there's pro reg already at this level. So top t uh, So let's just go with the, let's just start with the leagues. So the leagues are called different things in different regions of Germany, all right? But I'm going to talk specifically about where I live, which is Sudwest Falls, which is pretty much the bottom south of Germany. So Germany split into four different regions. We're in the bottom left. So with that, the, the leagues, from my understanding, as follows, and, and part of my, my German, because it ain't that great either, but the bottom league is called Kriklasse. So that league is pretty much like the, the, the lowest tier, and they have an A, B, C, and D uh, even in that specific tier. So that's going to be a lot of the clubs that just got started. Uh, that's going to be a lot of... Uh, if like, let's just say if you're moving to Germany and you didn't know where your kid stood and you just wanted to kind of throw them in and you were looking at the club and you found a, a club in your area, you looked at the age group, the age group matched up, and then you looked at what league they're in. And if it says Kriklasse, that's kind of like, okay, cool. This is kind of like a, a good jumping point, a starting point to see where he stands and, and how they build up. So that's kind of how it starts. The next one uh, above that is called uh, Kresliga. So that league is pretty much, um, they've actually maybe in the year below, they've actually won the league. So therefore they moved up a, a, a little tier. And what happens is as you move up amongst the tiers, the, the scope of the competition or the driving distance opens up because usually a lot of the bottom tiers, they're all close knit together. And then as you start getting bigger and better as a club, then you start expanding just like as any kind of, you know, premier club or, you know, Bundesliga or whatnot. So, the Kresliga is the one after Kriglase. And then above that is a, is a tier called Landesliga. 
So Landesliga is pretty much, you would consider your competitive club for, um, for the area. That's like Landesliga. And then the one above that is called Verbandsliga. Now Verbandsliga is pretty much the highest league you can get in your original area. So I'll just throw examples. My, my kid's team is placed for FK Permisens. So that's pretty much, I would say, in the area of Kaiserslautern, is in, it's kind of the second biggest club in the area. Like there's FC K, which is a, a one football club, Kaiserslautern, which is a, a League 3 team. And then there's Permisens, which is technically a League 4 team, but it's called Regional Liga. It gets a little bit more in depth, but you can see all that through the app to kind of understand exactly what tier that that falls in. So it it, it gets out there. Okay, so thank you for that. Okay, man, it's so different. All right, all right, all right. So you join, you just want to get your, you just want to understand what's going on, or maybe you have other reasons why you're getting your child into soccer, and it's the club right down the street, and they're in the lowest tier. You sign them up, and and then they won't, will they have a licensed coach or more than likely be a parent coach? Sometimes it's, a, uh, from my understanding, it's a parent coach, but they're, I'm not too sure, like they have to have some level of training because it's, it's different. It's not just, uh, you know, they just don't go out there and don't have a, a, a something to do. Based on the club and where the level it's at, they will have a little bit more of a structure in regards to what they have to follow. Um, in order to, you know, obviously have some kind of like regimen for the kids and all that. Um, but now, but when they, you know, in the States, when we say use the term parent coach, most of the time we're talking about someone who, and we're not talking about an ex-professional who happens to have a son or daughter <laughs> and then decides to coach them. We're generally talking about a volunteer like me who, you know, loves their kids, wants to get involved and takes the initiative to be the coach, but, mm -hmm. do, but doesn't typically bring a tremendous amount of soccer experience. But do you find in Germany when they use, when there is a parent coach, that parent is still pretty unknowledgeable of the game? And I, I'm going to say yes. And the reason I'm saying yes is because it's just, it's so ingrained here in the culture of Germany. So a lot of, uh, you know, parents that probably volunteer for that position have probably done the whole thing themselves at, at a younger point. So they kind of have an idea exactly, you know, with not necessarily formation, but kind of how they want to guide the kids and to, to move on. And the bigger your club you go to, the more structured it gets in terms of what type of regimen and what type of, uh, what type of skills that you're going to be working on specifically. Like it's kind of like written down blueprint, um, especially at the club that my son's in. They, I mean, each day they have they know what they're going to do that day. Every day is different and they do it on, uh, for, for on purpose. Um, my understanding for the, the ones that just kind of like that do have the parent coach, but on the, on the lower Ecliana side of things, I think it's sometimes from my understanding from what I heard was a lot of it is kind of not necessarily winging it. They have an idea, but it's not super basic to the point to where it's like, you know, it's not like somebody doesn't know what they're doing going in and trying to teach some kids how to do things. So, all right, so let me unpack. So your son of the four tiers, right now your oldest son is playing in which tier? So my son is playing in Verbandsliga. So he's playing at the top. So he's playing, um, like the, I'll tell you some teams that he's playing. He's playing um, FC Ka, which is the three-liga team, but he also is in the same division as Mainz, which is a Bundesliga team. So because of the way it's structured on the area and geographical for that age, uh, that's like the, the spectrum. 
Um, one thing that I'll tell you real quick with my son in terms of the teams itself is the bigger the city is, the better the teams are around that city. So while I'm in Ramstein and Permisens and, you know, Kaiserslautern, it's not, even though those are big, they're not necessarily that big in terms of in Germany and cities. So when you're thinking of Mainz and you're thinking of Frankfurt, those are like really massive um, cities that majority of the clubs around, like let's say if you, if you go to the Mines Academy, if you're not in the Mines Academy, the clubs right around the Mines Academy are just as strong, but just kind of maybe just missing that one step. And what happens is since all of those players in that area are so close, I mean, once a player either leaves or not doing too well, they can just pick right down the road because there's, there's such a big talent pool in the bigger cities. Um, and that's kind of like, it's kind of like that here, but obviously we're just a little bit smaller. So, you know, the more, the more to get scouted or recruited or whatnot, the more of the drive you have to make if you're trying to make it to one of those big teams, but that's kind of how it is as of right now. Okay. So, all right. So he's in the top. So those, those teams that are youth academies of professional, even uh, Bundesliga teams, they can, they'll still play in leagues of non-Bundesliga youth clubs. That is correct. Because it's and based then off what's the, the, the highest tier. level do, are there clubs that are not feeders into a professional um, adult league? Or do those, all those clubs you're referring to in your area, even your son's club, does it have a professional pathway? Or at some point, will he, let's assume everything worked out perfectly in terms of soccer, will he have to make a move to another club because there's no professional pathway? So, all right, so it just depends on what the tier is of the club. So let's just go with this. Um, Bundesliga is at the top. Then there's obviously one Liga, two Liga, three Liga. I believe that those three are considered professional. Yes. Anything above that is considered like regional Liga. So where it's kind of like you do get paid, but you also, it's not enough to like make a full-time income. So for my son's club, it's always based off the, the first team, which is the men's team. And the men's team for my son's club is regional Liga. So ideally, if I wanted my kid to go pro, more than likely we would have to make a switch based on where the, the status of the club is at the moment. So, so your son's club right now is um, the highest you can go is what, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is what we would consider semi-pro? Yes. Or is it it's semi-pro basically? Because it's all pro reg here. So in other words, if, um, if, that, if my son's club, Permisons, let's say this next coming season gets first place, they will be moved into three Liga. And at that point, they'll have a lot more money to spend on players to keep them there more permanently as opposed to kind of the structure it's in now. Yeah, so, and I'm familiar with the UK in that regard. So you could be part of an academy that is quote unquote non-league football at the moment. But if they did win their non-league division, they could technically get promoted to division three or whatever their lowest is. And yeah. So, and that's effectively what you're saying. So you're saying it's not that it's, it's not not professional because they made a decision that they're not going to be a professional club. It's just not playing at the professional, you know, league three yet, but if they won a division, they could be promoted up. Correct. Okay. So it's a, yeah. <clears throat> but are there any, grassroots clubs that just said, you know, 17, 18, we're done. And that's kind of what we do. And I'm using that to say, 
the club my son is at, IDF. 17, 18, you're, you're done. There is no pathway to become a professional footballer within IDF's system. So I'll give you an example. Um, I kind of know what you're kind of going to there. So yeah, there is some clubs out there that don't go any further than a certain age. So an example would be that my kid played at one particular club and based, so the way that it works for the promotion and relegation is based on the team ahead of them. <clears throat> so for example, my son is playing, um, my, son's, my son's a 2007. Depending on what the 2006 team does ahead of him, whether they get the top or the bottom determines the placement for my son the next season. So let's say if, I know it's confusing, but let's just say the older team gets first place. Then my son the next year gets pretty much promoted, even though he didn't partake in that particular uh, team. But if they, if the team above him is a last place, then my next year, my son's going to be playing in a lower league, even though he had, their team had nothing to do with it. So really the team above you determines the placement on your team. So <clears throat> where I'm going with that is as teams progress um, at this one club that was my son was at before here, as teams progress, then they, let's just say, for instance, they can't accumulate more kids for the next season, because at that point uh, it's all based on the, uh, on the teams they have. So for example, let's just say there's a 2007 and a 2018. Okay. And that particular club just does 2007 and 2008. Well, because they don't, they, they don't have anything above those two teams, those, uh, those players have to have a choice to whether, I mean, their only choice is actually to find another club um, that's already on that tier for the next, for the next year. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but there is a lot of teams that pretty much cap out that they only have teams all the way up to a certain age and they don't have a first team, men's team. Um, and those, those, honestly, those clubs particularly, I think charge a little bit more because it's kind of focused more on just the youth itself. Um, but the, the bigger, the, the more, the first team, uh, the more clubs that have first teams, typically the price for the, for the season is pretty, very affordable, I'd say. Okay. And we're going to get into that and that's extremely helpful. And if you're just joining, my name is Neil Crawford and you're listening to the inside scoop and I'm talking to a parent, Sandy Sandoval about his experience in um, youth soccer in Germany. And we're really getting into the weeds because uh, Sandy, in the interview before this, I told you I like for this show, for this particular show to get into the weeds because I feel like when I listen and consume information about youth soccer around the world, it's just too general. So I really, really appreciate this. And we really are just going down how it actually works. And so I, I got that. So let me just recap my understanding now. There are four main divisions, right? If you start those lower divisions, yes, there may be some tryout to see, kind of get a look and feel, but there's going to be somewhere for your child to, to play. As those divisions go up, they get more and more competitive, and they can even get to the point where your child is playing against other Bundesliga team youth academies if you are not a member of those academies already. Another thing you mentioned is the larger the city, the more competitive those leagues become. So I would, I'm going to ad lib and say probably a third tier sit team in a major city may be better than a fourth tier or, you know, top team in um, a very tiny city. So that's just me trying to read between the lines. 
Then there is promotion relegation, even within the youth system. One thing I wanted to clarify is if you finish in the bottom and you get the least amount of points, are you automatically relegated? Um, that I don't know, but I, I definitely appreciate if you win the league that you move up. And if you win the league, if I understand correctly, your entire club may move up. Uh, and so within the youth system, so that also impacts it. There are clubs that um, do cap out at a certain age, and then those children need to find other clubs that are co uh, commensurate to their, their, their level, and I understand that. So a couple of things I can't picture is, again, what happens if you come in the bottom? Do you get relegated? So if you come in the bottom, there is a strong chance you could get relegated, um, but really the relegation, let's just say my kids are 2007, and the team above got regulated. Let's, and then let's just say um, the team, let's just say the team above was at the highest, okay? Was at, as a Bourbon's Liga. And then they got the, at the very bottom. The next season my son plays, he won't be playing in Bourbon's Liga. He'll be playing in Landis Liga, which is the tier right below. And it's pretty much just, it, it's, it's a filtering thing. It goes up and down, up and down. There's also the potential, if you don't even get the top and you're just kind of in the middle of the pack and you're not relegated, well, then you just, you're like, we'll stay in that tier no matter what. So if my, uh, there's a team in their Verbans Liga and they were in the middle of the pack, they didn't get relegated, but they didn't get promoted either. The next season where my son goes, he'll be in Verbans Liga. So I'll tell you a quick story um, just to kind of give you an idea of my, the thought process. And you have to be in regards to understanding the tiers. <clears throat> so my son was playing at uh, a club that was in um, Landesliga. It's pretty much like right below the top. Okay, he was playing there. So at the time he was doing good. I just wasn't under, I wasn't feeling what the coach was uh, providing. I just felt he wasn't really working with my son uh, and, and kind of meeting his full potential. So I just, that's one thing that I would advise a lot of parents out there is if you see that kind of stuff, if you see that your child is not necessarily happy or you just see that the coach is not investing time in him, I don't know what you guys are waiting for. You know, try to find somewhere that, that, that fits and works. Especially if you, you know, if you're really taking this, uh, this seriously, like, I mean, for my son, we always try to make it a point to just, you know, put your best foot forward and good things will happen. So when you just kind of see that, but the coach is not giving them that vibe, it's kind of like, all right, well, it's, it's time to go. And I'd rather wait, I'd rather do it early than wait too long. And then, you know, time goes by, but nevertheless. So my son was in uh, Landis Liga. And then I decided at the halfway point, because there's actually cutoffs on when you can sign your kid to another club. Um, I was looking for another club and I stumbled upon uh, Permisons. But Permisons at the time was actually a league below them. So there's Landesliga, then right below them is Kresliga, uh, uh, which is not, I mean, so in other words, I was taking my son down in competition, technically. Now, the, that club at that time was like blowing kids away. Like, you know, they were, they were winning every game, they were undefeated. But what happened was, the only reason I made that switch is because I knew the team above the, that my son's age bracket at the new club I wanted to take him to was number one in the Landesliga. A matter of fact, my son was playing in Landesliga, was actually playing the team that was number one, which is Permisons. They were number one in Landesliga. So I knew if they won out, my son would actually be promoted two leagues to play at the very top level. So it had to be, it was like a calculated risk. I had to put my money in that this team the, above my son is going to win, that win out. And then next year they're going to play in Bourbon's Liga. And sure enough, it kind of, it kind of panned out that way. 
So I moved him down a league, but initially at the next start of the next season, my son played up two leagues and played at the very top of uh, what you can do for this area. So those little things you got to have to know in regards to understanding the team above kind of dictates where your placement is going to be on the year below. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. I'm glad that worked out. And man, this is a lot of food for thought. And I got so many, so many questions from that, but Okay, so we got so we understand that. Now, in terms, let's do some blocking and tackling, some rapid fire questions. Cool. In terms of how much money you guys are paying to participate in this in these uh, clubs, ballpark, what are you paying to play soccer? And what are you getting in terms of the number of practices, roughly the number of games, and how long the season is going? How long the season? Got you. So I would say season ideally is. I want to say year round because <laughs> um, if it isn't, so there, there's two blocks. There's the beginning half of the season um, and then there's the end of the season and then they have a winter break and then winter break is honestly tournaments, but we're going to price. So price real quick. I pay for my son's club 50 Euro for the year. Wow. And that includes all tournaments. That includes the Jersey. The only thing I have to pay for is the presentation outfit and the, probably the workout gear. But they even provide them a ball, like their own individual ball, and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm stationed, I'm slotted to go back to the states uh, in a couple months, so I'm kind of like, I've already kind of saw the the pricing and all how that works. I'm like, oof, that's gonna be a an adjustment, but nevertheless, so yeah, 50 euro a month. A lot of clubs, depending on if they're smaller local clubs in the area, they just want kids to play, so they'll charge five euro a month just to just to get kids to go. Um, the club, when I got, when I first got here, I was paying 50 Euro a month, but that was kind of more of, I guess at the time that was kind of like, I thought my son's best option. Um, so, but then, like I said, there's also that American kind of based club here, which charges, you know, a lot Yeah. <laughs> in terms, but, in terms of that, but yeah, go ahead. Now, but what about the number of practices that you, that your son receives right now? So got you. So normally... They yeah, would play three. Yeah, yeah, they would they would play three. Okay. However, okay. now I'm going to go into something totally different. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. You would play three. Um, so what happened was we actually, the club itself only does two. And I'll explain why we only do two. So it, it used to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The reason it's only two is because on Monday, a lot of the players on my son's team are all picked for a select academy. Essentially, it's the Deutschland Football Academy um, for the region. So I'm going to take a step back a little bit. I'm going to explain that, and then we'll kind of move back in there. But so what happened was when my kid was, um, let's see, he's 12, 11, uh, pretty much around 10 years old. So around 10 years old, depending on, that's why it's important to understand the tiers, because the higher the tier you can play in for the age, like at least, you know, a competitive one, um, the more people are looking at kids so your kids are getting scouted even even at that young just to kind of there's two different types of scouts there's the scouts that want to take you to the bundesliga clubs or the league one league two league three clubs and then there's the scouts for deutschland football and really what that comes down to is if your kids are not necessarily uh, at a club level like a bundesliga club there is an opportunity for a, a select group of kids out of the entire area to have regional based training every monday And it's really just the best kids in the area tied together specifically to focus on skill and to build up 
their, um, just to build them up. And it's a select. So when my kid was playing, uh, they happened to be one game and they did really well, 7-2. So they asked my son and they asked about four other kids to try out. Um, it was a two-day trial and it's pretty much a whole bunch of kids go, all like a, a whole bunch of select kids around the area. So, I mean, regionally, it's probably a lot, a lot of kids, 2,000, 3,000 kids, I don't know, probably more or less in that area. But out of them, they only pick um, 15. Wow. And so I, my son was fortunate enough to have a very good first day. I mean, I was, I'm very critical of my son, but that day, I'm not gonna lie, that first day he tore it up. He did everything that you need to, because they're kind of looking at you in regards to how you, not necessarily how you perform because they want to see an individual based performance, but they want to see how you react as a team. So an example, if you got a, if you got a one-on-one -on -one with the goalie, the goalie comes out to you. They're really, they're really checking to see, uh, are you going to take that shot or are you going to lay it off to the guy that's to your left that has a wide open net? And it's those type of things that they're kind of looking for. And I just remember my son making two passes of that sort where he could easily shot and scored the goal, but he decided not to and diverted the pass. And instantly those coaches were like going down, making notes. This kid is good. So the next, the next, um, the next day he didn't do too hot. I mean, it was just kind of the way it is. Cause he's, he's, uh, you get, you get pretty much put in a group and you're just as good as the team. So you can't do it all. You have to rely on your team. Long story short, it wasn't that good of a day, but at the end it came down to the selection process. So they actually selected him and he didn't know they selected him, which was kind of funny. Cause obviously it's all in German, but, uh, Long story short, he got selected. So really what happened for him is that he now was put into, it's called Stutzpunkt. So now he gets to go to privatized training every Monday uh, that is funded by the Deutschland Football League. And it's free. You don't pay anything. It's just the best players in the area get to play. The best players in the play that, that are not in an academy. Because remember the academy, they, once you're in an academy, you pretty much, you're not part of that um, you can't be part of that because you're already at the top tier. So this pretty much is like a, a building block to kind of get you in an academy and whatnot. So with that being said, there's regional base camps in all of Southwest Germany. There's about four of them. So my son got picked up for uh, uh, uh Kaiserslaut and Kusel area. And then my son also plays for, but he, his, his club team is FK Permisens but Permisens has their own Stutzpunkt team, which is pretty much the entire, his, his, the rest of his team are pretty much on that team because that's the, that's the highest club in the area for kids. So with that being said, because on Monday, majority of the team are part of the German Stutzpunkt uh, football. I mean, there'd be like maybe one kid that can practice on a Monday because they're already tied to these things. So therefore that's why there's two sessions, which is uh, Wednesday and Friday. So, man, that's a great story. Congratulations to your son. I can imagine how hard that was, especially not even being from the area. But um, the only thing I didn't get was the very end where you said they the, the club he plays on, it's also some team as well. I didn't I didn't get – so what, here's what I did get. Mm -hmm. There's a – and I'm going to use American terms. Your equivalent of F.A., has these regional uh, camps where you practice every Monday, at least in your area. And that's designed to give the most talented kids who are not part of the academy, but the kids who have potential and who also demonstrate a high soccer IQ, an opportunity to, to get some specialized training in the effort to hopefully 
put them into a position to make academy, and it definitely support German football in general from a national perspective. I, I can see that. But I didn't get the part, and I and then you can't do practices on a Monday because most many of your kids are already participating in that program, and that's partly because you're playing at the highest level of uh, of your division, anyways. Mm-hmm. But so I got that part. But it was it anything else I missed? No, I think what you're what you're thinking of is it's just kind of confusing. So think of Permisins as a city, and think of Permisins Club as a club team. So my son plays for the club team. But that's the biggest club team in that area. So in other words, when you're thinking of Deutschland football, the Deutschland football is getting the best kids in Permisens. Majority of those kids already play for Permisens club because that's the best team that you can go. So, I mean, really, at, at, if you really think about it, uh, 11 out of 12 kids play on the base camp in Permisens for Deutschland football. And my son and maybe one other person is playing for on the other regional team. So sometimes, because that's the way it is, they have regional matchups, Permisins versus Lonstuhl. So my son is pretty much playing all of his teammates on his normal club team um, in a match. And thankfully we want, we, we, you know, my son's, my son's won them all, my son's team. I'm not bragging about it, I'm just saying. Yeah, they, no, they, 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 first of all, no, this is no judgment zone. If you can't brag about your own child, then what are we even talking about? I laugh at people who, They'll, they'll, we'll brag about some stranger, you know, Paul Pogba and won't brag about our, our own kids. So that's fine. All right. So now that, that's, that's clear to me. Now, all right. So technically they offer three days a week, but out of this situation, because of the club and what you just said, they do two days a week and then they have gaming. Now, how would you describe the gaming program? And let me describe the gaming program that a typical kid in, in travel soccer would get here at your son's age. Ten month season, we talked about that. Some sometimes the club will have some kind of will act kids and parents who want to participate in an indoor league if they want to do that, and that's typically optional and it's not put on by the club. Okay. So that so the gaming program consists of a 10 month season. They usually play every weekend. There is definitely more travel involved uh, as you get older and as you play on those higher teams. And, and those teams are in these special leagues of other clubs in the area at that level. And those leagues can be created by U.S. clubs which is a governing body. It can, they can be created by U.S. soccer, which is our equivalent to FA. Other clubs, you can just create your own league. So my son's team plays in a league that was created by other clubs. It's called the Carolina Champions League. And anybody can participate in that. But that league is still sanctioned by U.S. club. And then there are leagues like the MLS is creating a league. It used to be the Developmental Academy had a was a league that was created by mm-hmm. U.S. soccer. But what we don't do, because we don't have pro-real, as you as you might say, we don't have these divisions. So in terms of the gaming program there, how would you describe it? What do they tell you you're going to get in terms of games based on your son participating in that particular team? So, I mean, it really comes down to understanding the league and tier. I mean – if you go into it and you understand that Verbon's Liga is the top tier, well, you're going to be playing a lot of hard teams. And honestly, like before COVID hit, um, the first half of the season was done and our team was in the 
the, the top bottom of the regulation. So we were in regulation zone. Like we could have, but we weren't like, so we, we could have won some games towards the end of the season and actually moved up out of regulation. But really, hey, let me ask you this. Under, are, you, okay. are you playing every weekend, day in, every weekend? Is that? Pre-COVID, pretty much, yes. Then let me, and let me unpack. If I put, if I played, um, if I saw your son's team at the top tier play against the second to the bottom tier, so one, number two, would it be like a blowout? More than likely, yeah. Okay, and then the third tier, would it be a blowout or is it, would it be whatever? So um, there's, there's a couple of, um, yeah, it would be a blowout. So like, so the, the top two tiers, they can be somewhat competitive to be honest with you. But as soon as you go down one more um, to the bottom two tiers, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily that great. And do the kids conceptualize the promotion relegation the way that an adult does? Or do or in their minds are they just playing? Some of them have uh, in the competitive aspect of it. Yeah. Majority of them have have the the app and they're following just along with everybody else. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you because here's what's crazy about the whole uh, the scoring. As soon as the game's over, the referee has to go and document that on the app. So really, what you're looking at is the tables move up and down, like almost an hour after the game. You can see. Oh, this team won. Oh, this team lost. Okay, this is where we're at. And then I kind of have an understanding of, like, let's say if I'm going to play a team next next week, I can look at their schedule and I can see exactly who they played, how they did, and you know, what did the team? Yeah, it's crazy. But what? But what impact do you think? And this is just opinion. So we're in the no judgment zone. But you know, you hear all this winning versus development, blah blah blah. What impact does that have? Do you think on the like literally, I don't even know even how to ask the question. Do the, does the coach, do the parents, you know, start looking the other way if the coach puts, say, one of the lesser talented kids up front or takes out their key players in certain situations? How does that work? Um, going into the like uh, my son's age now, it's getting to it's getting pretty competitive in terms of that. So um, one thing about the Permisons Club, from my understanding, is these kids have been together since they were young all the way up until maybe up to last year. And then it was up to last year when they actually started have to cutting some te- some players because it's just the, le- the next level of competition is just going to be too high. And these kids have been with the club the entire time. So they're all like friends. They're all, so it's kind of, it's kind of unfortunate on that aspect, but yes, there is that understanding that if, if I'm not getting there, it's, it, there's a potential to get, uh, cut. And do they play a lot of friendlies that don't necessarily fit into the league um, point system just to get, you know? Friends? Yes, uh, absolutely. So like the, the buildup before the season, uh, the season started, we were actually playing teams that were a year up and a league down. So we were playing older kids, you know, we were trying to get that, uh, build them up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and you'll see, if you look at some of the videos of my son, there's some highlights in there where the kids just, look massive compared to my to my son these kids are like maybe a foot foot and a half taller than him just just germans grow fast <laughs> so um but yeah it's just uh, that's just kind of one of those things and, so there's and lots of friendlies and let me just tell you sort of sort of the guilty questions i've never really would like to ask and that's one of the reasons why i created this form form because we are parents of competitive uh, soccer players and that's just where you can not talk about it if you want to but that's kind of where we are what i can't picture is 
my child here in Cary, North Carolina, I'm the founder of a training program. So obviously I train my kids. So they're going to be really technical, right? But what I can't picture, and even my um, son says the same thing is, what is it like when everybody, when, when soccer is the national sport? So I'm very interested in seeing those videos. And I know that obviously, hopefully they're shining moments of your son, but I just, you have such an interesting perspective. And what we're going to do, Sandy, is once you do relocate back to the States, I'm going to have another interview with you to help you, I mean, sorry, to help us understand what you're seeing. You may, we may have to put one of those, we may have to hide your name and do <laughs> one of those FBI type voiceover things because, you know, you may not be able to give your honest opinion. But the bottom line is, just to get the perspective of the coaching and as well as the level of play of the kids. Because Absolutely. I just can't, I can't picture what that looks like because here in the States, you know, and I think actually, believe it or not, life is too short. So this is a good thing, but the kids have a lot of other stuff to do other than play soccer. So I just don't know where to put, you know, our talent when I see it, because you just don't know what you're looking at. Okay, man, we're getting close. Oh man, this has been good. We're getting close to the end of the show. All right, so I always ask this same question. I moved there and my kid is lights out. He is the next thing since Messi, uh, Pulisic, Ronaldo put together. Now, am I gonna go through that same process of looking through the app and seeing which team to play for? And let's assume in this hypothetical, I do that, right? And I don't know anything. And I take my son and sign him up for one of these clubs and he is just scoring five goals a game. Is there a scouting apparatus that's going to pluck him up quickly and try to get him to trial in an academy, at a, a, you, the Bundesliga academies? I'll tell you right now. So if your kid is tearing it up on the highest league that is not an academy team, people will know who that person is real fast. Um, so, I mean – Let's just put it this way. Everybody has access to the app. So if they're looking for particular players, I mean, they can go straight to the goals and who has the most goals for the season. And, and then instantly be like, okay, I have my eye on this person and show up. Um, one thing that happens a lot in the summer uh, is, um, not in the summer, I'm sorry, during the winter is the indoor futsal. And what happens is it's a lot of clubs coming together in an area to showcase, you know, obviously just to play a tournament and try to win. But a lot of scouts like to go to those because – you can see multiple players at a, any given time. So my son, actually, he's been looked at by minds before. He's gotten good praise by them, but just never really got, you know, in that conversation. Um, but there was also um, talk of my son going to uh, FC Ka at some point. Like there was somebody that was interested in him and wanted to go try out. So a lot of the clubs kind of have affiliates with bigger clubs. So one of the clubs my son was at had uh, an affiliate with Hoffenheim. So what ended up happening was he, because they found out there was interest in FC Ka, they were like, well, we have an affiliate. How about you have him trial over at Hoffenheim? So sure enough, we did. Hoffenheim's an hour and a half away. And I had to drive right after work, changing the car. I mean, we had, a, we had a book and get there. But long story short, um, I'll just tell you, my son wasn't ready at the time, right? Like he just wasn't ready. I mean, you go over there and this was about maybe a year, year and a half ago. You go over there and then just the juggling. I mean, all these kids are like juggling nonstop, not dropping the ball. My, my son wasn't there. He wasn't ready. And yet. what age? And that's interesting. And I'll tell you, I like the juggling, not because of juggling, just 
because it's something quantifiable that I can picture. So this, your, your son, this was last year. So your son, and thank you for, by the way, by, for being transparent about this. I know, you know, it is what it is. So you're, I hate just, I always have to qualify. I hate talking about kids like this because I have a growth mentality, right? So what they're doing oh, now and what they're doing yeah. 10 years from now is totally different. But this mm -hmm. is just to help our listeners picture what's going on. So this would have been, your son would have been 10. No, um, no, your son would have been okay. 10. Yeah, about 10. Yeah, he's only oh, okay. He's, hey, so oh, no, 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 it's a 10 or 11. Yeah, I'd have been 10 and like going 11. Yeah. So you go to this complex to try out, and is it big? Is it small? Is it a lot of kids? What are you seeing? So, first of all, let me tell you, this is pretty much the coolest experience, at least from my, from my perspective. So, they have their own pretty much three story building dedicated just to the academy side of things. This has nothing to do with their first team. This is just with the academy. And say one the name of the club amazing. one more time, just so we crystal clear. Hoffenheim. Okay. It's a Bundesliga club. Yeah, I think I'm not too sure what they're doing, how good they're doing this year. But last year they were, I think, when they placed fourth in the Bundesliga, they did it pretty well, I believe. But so instantly when we got there, uh, you know, we have a, we're kind of like shocked. We're taking some pictures around the building. But this was what was crazy. So these kids go in, they go into the locker room. And instantly, all of their jerseys are already out. So they pretty much just go. They, they pick out what size shirt they need, what size shorts they need, what kind of socks, all clean, all dry cleaned, pretty much just on, in there. So pretty much the guy was like, hey, just find out whatever wears, pick what you need and go change. So pretty much that's what he did. But that's what every academy kid does. They just go in with their regular school clothes, change into their stuff, and they go train. And then they come back. They just throw it in a hamper. They get, like, the club washes it and does it everything for them. And, I mean... To me, that was that was crazy on its own right. And I think I have some personal video, and I could probably share that with y'all just to kind of show you a, a little bit of the inside of the locker room. But another thing was, so then, yeah, we came outside, and then we just kind of saw what they were doing right away. And they had their specific drills that they did. They had, like, everything was down to a T. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Okay, and so let's, it, let's, let's unpack this. Okay. You go, all right, so we got that. I can picture this. I actually went on a Manchester United professional tour, you know, like a tour of the professional team as a tourist because I used to live in England. And mm -hmm. uh, I can picture that. That's what I'm thinking about. And my kids were blown away about how they set things up pregame. All right, so then you go out onto the field. Is it outside or is it indoor? So it's outside and it's uh, AstroTurf. Okay, so it's outside and it's AstroTurf. And how many kids are you seeing? Is it like a lot of kids and they different age groups or just one? What are we seeing? I want to say it was all the same age group and there's about maybe 20. I want to say there's like 20 to 25 kids. And I want to say that there was other kids potentially trialing as well there. Okay. And, is, and then your child, sorry, how many coaches, what's the coach player ratio look like? Uh, they probably had about four coaches, maybe even five. Yeah, now I'm thinking it was like maybe six. There was a lot of people there. Okay. Just, just, and, and so, guys, this, just to, so that we recalibrate, my name is Neil Crawford. I'm interviewing Sandy Sandahall, and we're talking about youth soccer pathways in Germany. And I hope the listeners are finding this entertaining. I'm actually really fascinated. And, you know, as a, as a small business owner, we always say you don't want to create a product for one. And that's like, don't want to, you don't want to create a product that doesn't appeal to anybody else except yourself. But right now, I don't care. I want to learn exactly what it's like to try out at a professional football youth academy 
in Germany. So I hope the listeners appreciate this, but Sandy, I really do. That's why I'm asking all these detailed questions. All right, so you got a lot of coaches out there and you're saying, obviously the initial impression was the professionalism up front of the jerseys and the culture there. Then you get out on the field, a lot of coaches there and and you can tell that everything is organized. And then really quickly, how would you compare the organization and how the training was organized there versus what you had been seeing at his current club, given the fact, and I don't know if he was at your, the one that starts with a P at the top level yet, or is he was at the one that you didn't like as much? I don't know which one he was at at that time. He was at the one, he was at the one I didn't like as much at the time. And was the training environment light years ahead, similar, or you're like, oh, this is better. What, what did you, what was your initial reaction there? I think it was, I would say just for the, in terms of light years ahead. And the reason I say that is because they had so many different coaches positioned in different drills that they were really, were able to help, you know, when they saw something. Um, at the last club he was in, usually the trainer, there's only one trainer and maybe very rarely there's two, but one trainer. And obviously that trainer can't attend to every single kid for certain things. So what I noticed a lot is there was a lot of talking to the kids kind of educating them, letting them know. But for the most part, I mean, to be quite honest, the kids on their own were, they didn't really get and talk to, they were doing everything that they needed to. Um, so, so that's one thing to, you know, that's, if I had to break it down to in, in terms of culture and German football, uh, the, the more advanced you get or the more higher you go in, the, the, the discipline on these kids. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So the club I was at before that I wasn't too fond of, a lot of kids kind of playing around, blah, 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 blah. I moved to this club. I mean, attentive, uh, not, not to say that they can't joke around. I mean, it's not like it's not, they're not, they're human, they're kids. And the coach understands that. But when it comes down to practice and trying to understand something, I, you, you, you're not being around when I'm trying to explain a certain tactic or something because yeah, but it's, yeah, it's good. And, that, it was good. and actually, you know, I, I talked about this with my son being part of the IDF football club here in Cary, again, a plug there for our local listeners. It's the same thing. You know, as a matter of fact, I even, I talk a lot on social media saying what I look for in a youth club, obviously is good soccer instruction, good culture, but it's a lot of the non-soccer stuff, right? Attention to detail, everybody's locked in, high expectations, people not just goofing around completely when the coach is talking, respect and all that kind of stuff. So I get that. And the, and the director at IDF has spent a lot of time in European academies. And that was some of the stuff that he brought back and tried to instill in, in the program that he created. Okay, now you were talking about juggling, for example. Like, what are we seeing these little fellows be able to do in terms of juggling, just nonstop or what? Yeah, they? They can, uh, let's just put it this way. They could keep the ball in the air. There, uh, there's other few of them that were kind of doing some flair and whatnot, but it was just kind of like, you know, my son at the time, no joke, he was maybe he can get like maybe, you know, 15, 20 together and then he dropped the ball 15, 20 together. And it just seemed like the other, the other kids were just, they were just on it. And that's what they were doing. Boom, 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 boom. And it was just, it was at, at that point, I kind of knew right off the bat, I was like, oh man, my son's not ready yet. And I always keep the word yet because we're, we're super uh, positive on our end. It's like, okay, we understand. We know what we need to do. We'll be ready next time kind of thing. But so when we saw that, I was like, all right, cool. He's not necessarily there yet. But one thing that he did show was like, obviously his speed. Um, my son for his age group is probably one of the uh, fastest kids in Germany because that, that goes to another, it's a whole nother conversation too, but I, I, we can go into it. I'll go into it a little bit. How about that? Yes. 
So, so in Germany, they have a thing called, it's like an evaluation. Um, I'll try to find a link to this evaluation just and send it to you because there's some YouTube that shows what it is, but pretty much it's uh, four different drills. It's a 20 meter and a 40 meter sprint. There is running, uh, there's a timed run between cones. There's a timed run between cones with the ball. Then there's a passing drill where you have to bounce it off uh, one wall, control it in the middle, and then turn around, bounce it off another wall. You have to do that six times and then it stopped and then that's timed. And then uh, there was a juggling. You have to juggle around in a figure eight. And around that figure eight, you could only do left to right. You can't do the same foot twice. You assume fit twice as you're done. So they get points by how many cones they pass. So, um, so I think uh, the last evaluation that we had, my son only got by two cones because yeah, he gets he gets real nervous and he just he had two cones. But I mean, I have video now that you probably check on YouTube. I mean, now he's killing it. He, his confidence level is so high in regards to juggling because we constantly practice that in the backyard. But all in all, long story short, is what happens is all of those kids uh, they do all these drills, and then you get a report card. This is where you stack up against all of the DFB, the Deutschland Regional Football Team, and this is where you match up uh, against the academy. And his percentage for both of them was in the top 5% in Germany. So he's one of the fastest kids out here for his age group, uh, which is pretty cool. So I think at the, yeah, so and it, it tells you what your percentage is amongst all the other kids. And I think at the last report we got, he was like here at 80, 85%. So he was a top 15% in all of the regional groups across Germany um, in terms of like a comparison of all of the breakdowns averages. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing, man. And I, I, and I'm torn on this issue because this sounds like competitive with a capital C, but I also am not torn. And I actually just did a podcast and I'm going to share that podcast with you uh, that talked about um, how I help my children juggle and, and the bigger, the bigger, bigger picture of how I communicate to them on the training pitch as a parent trainer. So I'll share that with you and the listeners. I'll send a reminder out that kind of gets into this. And part of my whole thesis is that our children, in, in many respects, are motivated the same way we are as an adult, meaning tell me what the score is, give me some transparency, give me some clear directions, tell me how you're going to measure it, support me in, in terms of getting better, don't yell at me, be patient with me. That mm -hmm. motivates me to, to get the job done. You know, and I, I feel like that for my sons is actually more motivating than putting a sticker on the refrigerator because when you're doing this stuff day in and day out, you know, at some point that gets old, but what doesn't get old is we're going to get in, we're going to knock it out. We're going to be calm. We're going to be clear, but you know exactly where you stand. And I feel like in America, and you're going to see this when you move back, a, there's a lot of anxiety around youth soccer and and again, I'm not going to dig too deep into this, but a lot of it is because there's just no transparency in terms of understanding where your child is and, and where your child needs to develop. And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And some of that stems from the fact that it is a pay to play system. So, you know, am I going to tell my customer the brutally honest truth about what needs to happen? Probably not. Right. So you have that that aspect going on. So this has been extremely helpful. OK, now one more question about the kids. We talked about their juggling, but their overall technical ability. Off I mean, how would you think about it? Um, it was off the charts. Uh, it, it just was like, 
they just their IQ was there. The, they did one on one drills. Their first touch on the ball was very sharp. I mean, everything was kind of pinpoint. And one thing that they do um, is it's 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 they go game action. You know, everything is a live speed. They, and that's one thing that I kind of even with some of the clubs here. Sometimes it's kind of it is full speed, but it's not. It's one thing that we kind of really got to engage with the with my with for my son. I kind of want him to be full speed at all times because that's the only way you're going to learn. And sometimes you can see kind of like the hesitation in there. But what I noticed with the really, really good kids is that nonstop, they, you know, they know when to be patient, but really when they, when they have the foot on the ball, they're, they're flying. And that was kind of like the one thing I noticed right away. I think in that regards, my son was competitive. I'll tell you that, but it was just like the, the, the real tiny technical ability, like the good first touch on the ball, the kick yuppies. And that was kind of the one thing that was, that definitely separated them from my son at the time. Okay. So if you're just joining, this is Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop. I'm interviewing Sandy Sandahall, and we're talking about youth soccer in Germany. And I'm telling you, we've gotten into the weeds a bit, but I think this is some valuable information that many of our parents don't know. What would it be like to actually try out at an academy? And Sandy, I got a couple follow-up questions on the academy experience. And then, hey, man, you've been an open book, so we're going to wrap up the show from uh, after that. Okay, so we're wrapping up about the Academy experience. And I have to ask this, as a matter of fact, to our listeners, this week, like literally, because we record these in advance. So today I'm posting um, a podcast where I interviewed a Luton um, footballer who made it through the system to their pre-academy and was quote unquote cut at the final stages of Luton football clubs in the UK's pre-academy. So I have to ask you this, Sandy, and you can be as transparent as you feel comfortable. How does the club communicate to you, literally, and your son, that you didn't, quote unquote, make it this time? So here's the, the this was the, the cool thing that I really enjoyed. I, honestly, this is kind of what happened. So at the end of the session, um, obviously, the academy players, they went to go change. They did their thing, whatever. But there was a couple that were like trying, trying out, so to speak. And what they did is they had an individual meeting with the three of the coaches talking about what they noticed with uh, your child. And honestly, here's the cool part. They told you everything they did that they liked about them. They didn't say anything that they didn't like about them. They just said everything that they didn't like about them. Or, I mean, they, said, they said everything that they liked about them and they kept it every positive and they just kept telling to the player, um, hey, we like you. Um, but right now, and this is actually what they told me, but for your age group, uh, for that span of area, they're not necessarily looking for players. Now, I would say that probably would have been a different tone is if Messi came in and absolutely dominated. I pretty much, I, I, I would put really good money that if, if it was lights out and he was just tearing everybody up, they probably would have said, we'll make something happen. Because obviously, I mean, that's, it's, they're, they're in it. There's a money aspect to everything, but that's, that's a part of it. But not for, for the most part, they were just super professional, told exactly what my son did really well, what they liked in him. And then they said that once we'll keep an eye on them as things go by and we might, we'll offer this chance to again in the future, because as they get older, their radius of distance, they'll, they'll be able to cover it. So for instance, my friend that uh, my friend's kid that plays for three Liga, they actually pick him up right outside the base and they drive him to practice and then they drop him back off. And all that's covered once he's accepted to the Academy. It's little things like that. Okay, so I'm going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to, again, interject myself into this to say sometimes when I talk to parents and coaches, 
we mistake the level of competitiveness of the adult teams and we assume that if we put our kids into these type of environments that the professionals are not going to be developmentally appropriate and i have found believe it or not the higher the level the more developmentally appropriate the adults in the room are it's actually the lower the levels <laughs> that that are quasi competitive the more you have to protect your child because they just go over the top but that's just anecdotal no science behind that but i have found you know you go to a professional well-run club yes it's extremely competitive but they don't unload that on the child to them to the child they're just playing and they try to protect them as best you can but there's always going to be a risk involved when you when your child is in these environments now let's fast forward and we got a couple more things and then we're going to wrap it up Let's fast forward to your friend's son that's 15, and you said he's mm -hmm. playing for a League 3 professional club? Yes, League 3 uh, FC Kyle. His name is Adrian Cologne. Uh, I actually, I got from, we just, he just hung out, our family just hung out yesterday. I was like, hey, look, I'm going to be on this podcast. You mean to give you, you me throw him out there? I was like, yeah, why not? So, yeah. You so never know, man. Hopefully, hopefully one day uh, when I get my box seats to, uh, uh, when y'all <laughs> send me my box seats, to uh, FC Dortmund, you, I can give you a shout out and we can listen to it. So you're telling me that they actually come and pick up your, they, they're the child? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pick and, them up, they take them to practice and drop them back off. And then two more things. How much does he have to train at 15? Is he there every day or almost every day? I want to say it's close to... All right, going into the future, like this upcoming, he's, I think uh, his parents said something about seven days a week. Like there's going to be something. Now I'm not saying it's going to be full-fledged training. I'm pretty sure there's kind of like fitness, aerobic aspect to it. Because at this point, I mean, starting next season, he's going to be in the, the dorms. Like he's going to be part of the German dorms and whatnot because he's going to be staying here. His parents are, they, they worked everything out with the club. They accepted him. They actually signed him for a one-year contract. Uh, without pay, because that's a different thing too. If you accept pay, then obviously you're, you're uneligible for scholarships, but they wanted to keep them for one year, um, kind of evaluate, see how it is, see how he does without his parents, obviously things like that. But this kid is super hyper-driven. I mean, he's, he's, he's legit. And he, he, I, I almost guarantee he will go places just because of his hyper-focus and what he wants to do. So yeah, it's crazy. It's funny you say that. There's two things. Sometimes I, I'm a I'm a jogger, and sometimes I, I jog really early in the morning. And every once in a while, every blue moon, I'll see a teenager out there running or doing something, and I'm like, man, I wish I could take an ounce of that and transplant it into my ten year old when he gets that age. That's number one. And we're actually going to do a um a, a series called Raising a Whole Child, and we're going to talk about sort of if you have young children like ours what are the attributes you you want to if you want to think about predictors of success if you will um and again we're not really trying to create robots but just for conversation piece and actually in the pre-interview with one of the college guy that runs a college um recruiting service he was like you know actually it's all mental if you can if you can do anything try to figure out a way to get them to have a certain mindset by the time they're 15. Forget about the soccer stuff. If they have a certain mindset, that is way more important in terms of a predictor of success than anything else. I found what you just said interesting. I also found it interesting if they actually uh, pick the child up and bring them uh, uh, to training. And then, yes, I can understand that 
at that level, uh, there's so much that needs to be done so I can see the seven days a week. And that sounds cool. And it's also cool that they're going to accommodate the, uh, the player, main, allow him to maintain his scholarship status, but he's getting his professional level training. I'm actually jealous. I think this is pretty cool. All right, I might enlist and say, can I, can I get placed in Germany? Really? <laughs> all right, so, so that's all been helpful. Now, before we conclude the show, you were saying you spent time in England. I lived in, in London, in the, in the cities of, inner cities of London, but I want to hear about your experience in the UK from a soccer perspective or whatever you'd like to share. And then we'll wrap, and we'll wrap it up there. Cool. So, I mean, in England, it was cool because it was one of those, you, you know, those experiences, obviously, with uh, English football. So prior to England, my son, uh, Josh, he was going and he was, uh, so to speak, he was tearing it up. He was obviously a lot faster. You know, he just had, he had a knack for football right off the bat. So when we went to England, my initial thought was, well, okay, we got to put him in a club reaching like kind of like I said earlier reaching out that wasn't necessarily helpful um people just didn't respond back to me I later come to find out that we played some of those teams and it's kind of like you know I, I'm sure that they would have benefited they would have loved to have my son on their team let's just put it that way at the time so anyway so we we come over here to uh England and the first thing we do is look for clubs and the best thing that you have obviously is word of mouth um a friend of ours which happened to be really good friends with my son was also a 2007, but in England, they obviously do like um, school, school year. So they couldn't play with each other. They don't do it like uh, Germany and how the U S does it. So they, they still have that format, but we got introduced to this club called Brackley town FC. Um, funny story about that in particular was when Christian Pulisic was making his way through the, through the, you know, through the system through Borussia Dortmund and then over to Chelsea. I just kind of, I was kind of intrigued, especially with his U.S. Uh, soccer career. So I just kind of just did some research on him, just normal, just, hey, Christian Pulisic, how did he get started? What did he do? How did he get there? And then all of a sudden there was like a, a, a an article that says that he he went to a club um, 10, 10 miles north of Oxford, which happened to be Brackley Town FC, which is the exact same club that my son went to at his exact same age um, at the time. So I thought that was like super cool. And it was weird because while I knew Christian Pulisic as a U.S. men's national team fan, like huge gung-ho fan, I'm wearing this just because I'm in Germany today, but just, just saying. But um, in regards to uh, USA, I, I was like, after I found that information out, I would talk to the local parents and they're, they're really big on their community and their players that they had. So I just kind of asked, I was like, hey, do you know this Christian Pulisic, this guy, he actually played here. He's like, plays for Dortmund, blah, 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 blah. And at that time, it wasn't necessarily to, I was like, okay, you know, it wasn't really that big. But once he signed over to Chelsea, then all of a sudden you can see um, the Brackley Town FC, uh, their Twitter was like, hey, have y'all guys played with Christian Pulisic before? Hey, send us a note here. We'd like to talk to you, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it was just so cool uh, just to kind of have that, that moment, I guess, in, uh, with, the, with Josh to say that he actually trained at the same club that Christian Pulisic did at a short stint in his early career. But that was awesome. Our, our England experience was, was, was phenomenal. I also want to give out one plug real quick. Oh, go ahead. Uh, in regards uh, to, this, uh, to this one club. So we played at Brackley Town FC. It was, a, it was a great club for our family. But one day there was a tournament and this one club came in. And this one club was, I still brag about it to this day, it was, was freaking phenomenal in regards to their footwork. Like, like really good. I'm talking about all these kids looked on, like, on another level uh, with technique. 
So uh, being intrigued, I understood we had a certain amount of time left uh, before we left. So I was like, you know what, let me reach them out. So I actually reached out to them. So they're called Santos Panthers FC. So if you go to Facebook and just type in Santos Panthers FC and just click onto them, their emblem is like a, it's kind of like, um, I'm gonna say like a wolf or whatnot, a tiger or something. And their colors are black and neon green. But um, I reached out to the guy, the, the owner of the place, his name uh, is Habib. And we just started talking and he was like, all right, bring Josh along. So we brought Josh and there was a training every Monday. And every Monday, all they did was work on technique. Uh, one of the philosophies that he was kind of, you know, talking about was like, listen, this, at this age, this is the, this is the time that you want to focus on technique, like above anything else you, they can, they can work on tactics as they get older. I mean, that's something they can learn, but you can't, you can't place that, uh, the, the constant movement of technique every single time. So long story short, uh, my son, uh, at the very half end of the season made a switch, um, which was good. It was a different level of competition. But all these kids were just on fire with their technique. And if you check it out, you're going to see some six, seven-year-olds doing some, some footwork that's like, that, that's pretty mind-blowing. But it, uh, another thing about that club, too, is that the players were, were so good. And the way that he built the players up were so good. Um, I believe when my son made the jump, the team, like literally his same age level that year before, all of them got signed to professional academies, Leicester Academy, Derby County, Chelsea, all over because they see the, the they see the, I guess, potential and, and, and how equipped they are very early with that particular club. So that, I just wanted to give them a shout out because that's a, if you ever come across that and you live in the Oxford area or the Northamptonshire area, that's a, that's a definitely a club you want to look to. And it's a grassroots club. It's, it's, it's just great for in terms of footwork, your kid will improve immediately. Yeah, I'm actually going to check that Facebook group out now. And you're actually preaching to the choir on technical ability. And we're going to wrap this up. This has been by far one of the best interviews we've done at the Inside Scoop. And that's why we've kind of gone over it. And hey, this is a family show. We're having a family conversation about this wild world of raising children and in and, and, and a competitive soccer environment. And this is uh, this show, the Inside Scoop. I appreciate you listening. Is a cultural exchange that I'm really, really enjoying. And Sandy, you gave us a lot of detail and insight that you just have to experience to get. I mean, that's the only way you can can kind of convey this information. And I'm looking forward to when you get back to the states, you drop us a note because I definitely want to compare your experience over in Germany to that. Uh, experience that you have once you get back to the states and in terms gotcha. of preaching to the choir again guys this is neil crawford with anytime soccer training and i believe in uh in technical in use in focusing on technical development i should say at those younger ages and i've done a podcast on this and this is my soapbox that if you're listening this is my opinion i hope it doesn't offend anybody but your child will not reach their full potential in whatever you're trying to do. In this case, we're talking about soccer. If you outsource 100% of their training and development to someone else, you got to put work in the backyard with your child. And the whole purpose of anytime soccer training is yes, we're going to provide 
content that you can use is 100% follow along, covers all the major areas of individual skill development so that if you don't live and breathe this stuff, you have a curriculum to follow. But you don't need the videos. You just need to commit to helping your child get better. There's a lot of resources out there. But part of what we're also doing is we want to help you communicate to your child on that pitch in a way that doesn't drive them crazy. And I have several episodes where we're, we're helping parents work through that. And we got a lot more content that I'm going to release that, again, it's kind of in the weeds. But if you listen to the advice, it's from straight from the heart and straight trial and error. So definitely check out the Inside Scoop. Check, definitely check out the advice. This has been a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, and with that piece of advice, for my boys, and Sandy, you can give me your opinion. For my boys as the parent trainer, this is, I don't try to replace the coach. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't try to replace the trainer, but I just focus on technical, helping them get those repetitions they needed in the areas of technical ability, ball mastery, right? Dribbling, technical ability. So that when they get older, they can do it themselves and dad can just sit back and relax. But I don't want them to get 14 and then say to me, man, dad, why didn't you tell me that, you know, I should have been working on my weak foot. They're going to know that. I want them at 14 to say, I could do this. I could pursue this route, but I'm actually going to um, pursue something else. I'm fine with that. I would love that. But what I don't want is them to get 14 and say to me, I want to do this, but I don't have the skills to do that. that they won't be able to say that in my house. So, so yeah, it's, it's kind of it's funny you bring that up real quick. So that's one thing ahead. that we do at our house is you, you we say, the, the, these are words we don't say in the house. We say we, we can't say we can't, we won't, and it's always you can and you will. It's uh, one of the things that I just try to build up with my boys is just the mentality side of things because that to me is the most important. So letting them know each and every day that you can be as good as you want to be and, you're, and you can be, you know, well, I always use the term the best, but it's not necessarily to be the best above everybody else. It's to be the best that you can be. So I can tell right, right away in every practice, every session, you'd be like, hey, look, I know you didn't give your best today. I can see it in your body. And I ask them that same question. But as long as you have that transparency with your kids and try to build them up, that's the, that's the best way that you can get them to, get their, to reach their full potential. Exactly. So we're going to leave on that note, Sandy. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for another great show. This is the Inside Scoop with Neil Crawford. If you like this content, please share it with your friends on Facebook. Please uh, uh, share it with folks in any way they get their podcast. I would really appreciate it. Leave a comment below as well in, uh, in the Apple's reviews. That will help us out. And check out www.anytime-soccer.com. Join the mailing list. and We'll send you wonderful information to help you as a parent, parent trainer work with your child and also some free videos that you can get started with. This has been a great show. Thank you very much. My name is Neil Crawford, and I'll see you guys next week.